Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, as always, Timuchin, here in Chicago. And with me, it is the usual crew. We have Bittler, who had to change his shirt, so it's not just the heads on the screen. Because <laughs> if you guys think this is scary, that was even scarier. Uh, Bittler, what's happened? Finding out you can't wear green shirts with green screens. Uh, happy Monday, you jerks. Happy Monday to you as well. I'll take from coming from you. I take that as a compliment. Uh, and Gally, as always, is with us as well. Gally, what's happening, man? Oh, it's Monday. Bickler's wearing a shirt. Everybody's doing well. <laughs> yeah, that almost makes out he was naked earlier. Thank God he wasn't because we would. Have yeah, shirt up. versus no shirt. Everyone wins out here. Alan is with us as well. Okay, we got the whole crew. That means uh, let's get rolling. A lot to get to. Obviously, there's some Liverpool stuff. Uh, we'll start with that, and then we'll kind of like go over to the World Cup, uh, get your guys' take on it. Now that Bickler is into the World Cup as well, uh, there'll be a bunch of stuff to talk about over there. But as always, first comes first, we do trivia. So, Obviously, it's everybody's favorite segment of the show, uh, especially Bickler's. And but you know, to avoid all confusion about follow-up questions, did you mean this? Did you mean that? And I normally get to questions from BJ, so we have BJ himself today to ask the question. So that if you guys have freaking questions, you can just ask it to him and cut off the middleman. BJ, what's happening? How's it going, gentlemen? Oh, it's going well. It's going well. It's only going to go downhill from here. Uh, and Alan <laughs> says, say what? See, we're going to have to bring Alan on next week as well. There's not, there's room for enough squares. I don't know. BJ, shoot. Give him your trivia question. All right. Since we botched up the one last week. Um... I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody botched <laughs> up anything. Carry on. <laughs> this one I promised the answer is not Steven Gerrard, not Jordan Henderson, but it is Liverpool. And it is World Cup. So here we go. I'm going to name three countries. One of these countries had a player in a World Cup match while they were signed for Liverpool, an active Liverpool player. Only one of these countries. Who was the player? And your choices are Belgium, Switzerland, or the United States. Only one had a Liverpool player participate in a World Cup match. Bickler, any follow-up questions? This is your freaking opportunity. The guy is here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, can I get a country oh, of origin? They're all there. Uh, questions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> removed all the wiggle room, didn't I? Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I would say, like, who's am I, if I if I'm going first – like I normally do, because we put Obviously, the stupid yeah. kid up front. Um, I mean, Belgium seems the obvious one, right? But I, I'm going to go Switzerland here. And the player? Who who was it? Right. He wants to know the player, though. That's... Who was it? Shakiri. Power kick. Okay. Shakiri. Okay. Alan has Switzerland as well, by the way. And I'm assuming when we say Switzerland, everybody is guessing uh, Shakiri. But what do you have for us, Galley?
Yeah, I, I feel like it is Shakiri, but it just seems so goddamn obvious. And BJ is actually on the show and all this, making me think that the answer's. More... I like how this kicks off the paranoia even further. That's nice. <sighs> is it a Rigi? Is it Kelly? <laughs> no, because it wasn't. I don't, I don't, I actually. Is it a Rigi? Was he in the last World Cup? playing for them it, it he yeah, had he his was. great moment in the world cup and then we bought him that summer after and then we <laughs> sent him back out on loan but i don't know that he made the next world cup i'm gonna go with shakiri in switzerland and i'm gonna be pissed when the answer is belgium and i know the answer of the player and i can't think of his name but i'm gonna go with shakiri well shakiri signed two weeks after the 2018 after. world cup i knew it the <laughs> answer drum roll please Brad Friedel of the United States. Fucking Brad Friedel. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the disappointment in your guy's face. <laughs> the answer was going to be. Origi signed after 2014. It wasn't 2018. Benteke was in it. Mingale, or have you pronounced his name? Simon Mingale. Mingale. 2014 and 2018, he but was, he was on the squad, never appeared. Shakiri signed after 2018, and of course we lost him after before 2022. So, Brad Friedel, U.S. Thanks a lot, BJ. They are America. baffled in more ways than one. I guess when I presented, I don't get this kind of a shock reaction. It's like dear. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe Gally can confirm this. Uh, this hurts a little bit more personally with BJ in person. It does <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I actually. I thought for a second I would actually enjoy trivia more. I actually think yeah. it's worse. The disappointment. Like a, the disappointment. Like a, a, an added layer of shame that you don't get there it is. when he's not I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, the disappointment yeah, you, you can hide of knowing. Behind it. We'll, we'll let Alan do the trivia next week, and we'll see which one you hate the most, and that's the one we'll go with. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, though, it's the, the disappointment of knowing that BJ is disappointed somewhere in Florida, like just in the chat. <laughs> That is bad enough, but having him fade in and out on screen now in some type like Andy has a box inside of a screen that is he better looks like he's in the cabin like a like a sixteen-year-old truck. Like, he's got shit on his wall. Like he's actually got shit on his wall. I got nothing. Like <laughs> he just shows up to my podcast and he's like, "Hey, I'm going to just show up, take over trivia, and make you feel worse about getting the answer wrong." Well, played, well I had brother. to go with the flag well behind me because my green screen wasn't lighting up right. Otherwise, it'd be there. So, well, <laughs> well, thanks a lot, BJ. Mission Good to have you back, man. My Good friend. to have you back. Thanks Mission a lot, accomplished. Thanks a lot, BJ. Take care. Ah, uh, this was great. This was great. Was I had wonderful. to do even less work. Now I got to find somebody to ask a couple more questions, and we're good. I'll just kick back. Alan, Alan, Alan's in the Alan's in the comments section. He's asking plenty of questions. <laughs> Okay, so let's start. That was fun. I got to bring BJ and Alan weekly to kind of like get this rolling. Because, yeah, definitely I saw a bigger disappointment and shock in your guys' faces, which kind of makes my day. That's why I live for trivia. Okay, let's get to some Liverpool stuff, and then uh, we'll go from there. This is a topic I hate, but it is what it is. We have to talk about it. Uh, but I kind of wanted to talk about a different angle of it. So there is... Um, the latest is there is a 
offer being put together on the table, under the table, in the drawer. But somewhere there's an offer from a Saudi-Qatari uh, combination around $3.2 billion uh, for Liverpool Football Club. Will it happen? Will it not happen? Somebody else will come in with 3.4. I don't know. Um, and honestly, that's why the speculation conversation about ownership is worse to me than speculation uh, conversation about transfers. I think I even prefer that. So we've hit a new low when it comes to speculation. But here's what I wanted to ask you guys, because and kind of like get your guys say kind of. So Bigger, we'll start with you. Um so underneath this news, right, uh, the first comments I read, and this is, you know, you can probably scroll down and I can read you guys a thousand of these comments. And then you guys tell me where you guys land and how you guys approach it. So this dude, uh, Darren, says, I've sported Liverpool for over 30 years. If they sell to the Qataris, is that how you say Qataris since it's Qatar? Let's go with that. Iran, Iran, you name it. Uh, I'll stop watching the Premier League football altogether. Sports washing and state executions, I'd rather sell Liverpool to the Tories. Despite the bad grammar Darren's got going there, you guys get the point. So somebody responds and says, I'll be very happy to be supporting my beloved Liverpool. All the fans are jumping up and following the media with rubbish can go on. I can't wait for the takeover to be completed. There's a guy who says, you can go. As a Liverpool fan, we need the money to get the best players and maintain our name. Are uh, you going to, you know, all and there's like a bunch like that. Uh, you're free to stop watching Liverpool matches. Who cares? We need the money to buy good creativity players. I'm assuming he needs creative players. So I guess we're going to have a squad of creative guys, uh, artists and musicians. Uh, so Bickler, on this spectrum, where do you sit? Are you going to stop watching or are you... <laughs> Should we find a new third for the podcast if these guys buy? Or where I'm not going to stop watching. I'll I'll probably always watch the Premier League no matter what. I will be really really upset though, and I'll be very sad if we if we end up selling to a Middle East conglomerate. Um, and I think I'll be really really disappointed in the ownership for really the first time since they decided they want to rip out seats and sell them back to families that had owned them for hundreds of years. Um. That's gonna. That's probably gonna be my biggest thing. Um, I just don't believe. I, I feel like FSG have been good stewards of the club, and they've they've done things with the best interest of the community at heart. And I think that's pretty rare to find with owners. Um, and, and I think, I think selling to a Middle Eastern conglomerate would be against the grain of everything that Liverpool as a blue collar city stands for. Um, I can't see that happening. Um, I, I still think we're going to see a partial sell here. I don't think we're going to be, I I don't think we're going to see a complete sale takeover right now. Um, But who knows? And, and, And to be perfectly honest, I have purposely tried to stay away from digging into these articles that are coming out because I think there's just so much speculation right now. And I honestly do not have the time to go down a rabbit hole of trying to vet the information as to where it's coming from and who's saying what right now. So I'm choosing to just kind of wait this out and have some actual good faith that FSG will do the thing that's right by the club. And I still think they will. 
And that's the thing. Like I say, I agree with you. I don't dig into it too much. I kind of wanted to. That's why instead of just covering the news and will these guys buy it, because it almost feels like there are guys in media Googling who has more than three billion and then just making a speculation based off of that, uh, whatever answers pop up. But I kind of want to get your guys' take. So, Gally, let's come to you in terms of how you would approach it. So instead of FSG, for example, in charge today, you have a Saudi-Qatari combination or somewhere from there i mean do i feel as good about it as i do today no because i think right now one of the cool parts is we compete at the highest level with less resources than everyone else but here's the problem we're falling quickly behind with that and we get frustrated and talk about it week after week about players that need to be bought and investment needs to be made and it, it is more difficult than just signing players like it's infrastructure it's salaries it's wages and it's just inflation. It's just going to continue to increase. And these guys are businessmen. So I understand FSG getting out. I also understand that FSG has this rock and a hard place. Because I think they do want, to Paul's point, to do the right thing. Whether that's, even if they sold the majority stake and kept hold of some of it. Because they like the investment. They'd want it. I think they'd much rather it be to the Celtics owner, honestly. And let him run it and invest another billion or take capital money into it then sell it to the qataris and the qatari saudi uh consortium the problem is if they're offered four billion dollars they didn't john henry never puts up all of his own money he pulls other people's money with a promise of a return and it's like uh it's like cannabis in this country right it's legal everywhere and all these little places are buying all these. Listen, it, it, it's going to make sense in a second. All these little <laughs> places are buying all these little dispensaries are opening in all these different states as soon as it becomes legal. And everybody opens it up and it's a retail shop and they make lots of money. But it, it isn't the, the figurehead person who shows up at the Chamber of Commerce meeting who actually owns the place. It's the five millionaires behind them that gave three, $3 million a piece for them to open this business. And when Pfizer comes in, when it's federally regulated and offers 40 times the investment, they're going to demand return immediately. And that's what's happening at FSG. They opened Pandora's box by asking for full bids because they didn't realize there would actually be a clamor like this to buy this club. And they've had multiple bids over what Chelsea was offered. And you made the comment like they all just keep reporting these different things. David Lynch doesn't just report on anything unless he believes it's a Liverpool story because he's got credibility. He's the one claiming a $4 billion offer is coming. And I'll tell you right now, John Henry will be running the fuck out of Liverpool and he don't care who owns it behind him. Cause in some ways he'll always be able to look back and say, I left this place. The only way they could compete with Newcastle and Manchester city. By giving them, yeah, you guys totally could. avoided the question. By the way, like I, no, that's I'm more asking I, about I told what you. you guys will be I, if that offer. I'll gets be a fan. Up. I'm gonna be a supporter. I, I, I'm gonna be a supporter no matter what. I'm gonna watch on December 26 whether the Saudis own it or not. I'm gonna watch on January 4th. I'm gonna watch on April 5th, and I'm gonna watch 25 years from now when three different ownerships are there. Like, I, I'm gonna be there after Jurgen Klopp after. Won't you? I, I, 
I don't know no, that I anything mean, would I turn just, me off. How will you approach it in terms of? I mean, we're gonna be there. I don't understand the guy who's saying like the one I read where he's just gonna he's just gonna stop cold turkey. That that's just not gonna happen. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing as there were a lot of people who were saying they wouldn't watch the World Cup. They're gonna boycott it and stuff. And then like a week later, they're like kind of like in the game conversation as well. You know, like asking questions about the game. Did you see that goal? I see you posting on Facebook and stuff. So I'm like, dude, I thought you were boycotting. So you know exactly what's going on. So obviously you didn't boycott, did you? You're still like following. It. It's not like you can show up in Qatar anyway. This is how you're following it and supporting it. So uh, I have like a bunch of people like that on my feed. I But Bickler, is it just going to be kind of like this World Cup where initially we're going to be like, man, this just doesn't feel right and stuff like that. And then two months later, we're going to be kind of numb to it. And it's going to be business as usual because we're going to focus on what's happening on the pitch. I, I think it just depends. Well, yes, but I think the long-term reaction will depend on the success. I think for winning, nobody will will nobody will care. Correct. You know what I mean? Which is the sad part, because that that doesn't change for me whether we win or lose. Um, I, I think you're right. I think you know people will talk about not supporting the club, but like if you support Liverpool because you love Liverpool, like that love just doesn't die overnight because of who owns it. It just doesn't. That doesn't work that way. I mean, it's either. If you're able to shut it off and turn away like that, you weren't that invested to begin with, in my opinion, uh, at least at an emotional level. So uh, God knows we had plenty of years where I would have loved to have just turned it off. Right. Yeah, that, and that was my thing. Yeah. I mean, if that was a doable thing where you could just be like, oh, okay, I'm done here. Uh, there were a lot of times over the years. Yeah, John Flanagan starts. John <laughs> Flanagan starts. Flanagan yeah. starts. Remember, like, remember when we thought like, oh, and then just look at this Scouser playing left back. It was like, what are you talking about? Dude looks like he shouldn't be in the Sunday league, and he has less hair than my grandpa. Like this, we, is we started a lineup consistently with Paul Kincheski at right back at one point. Right. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So those were the times that you would probably bail. But I mean, like I say, I think it's just going to be. It's going to feel dirty, and it's going to be forgotten because it's not like they're gonna do like this executions that the guy is talking about in like downtown Liverpool, you know, they're just going to do whatever they do back home. And then they're just going to spend money over here. And that's what people are going to care about. Ultimately is going to be the money spent. And kind of like you're saying, ultimately what happens on the field. And if, you know, if that money spent turns into success and stuff like that, I think it's very easy, sadly uh, to buy people uh in today's day and age heck we have the world cup in qatar uh but they were asking about um i know gally you mentioned this um and then you sent it to me in terms of van dyke uh when they asked him about like fsg selling up and stuff uh so van dyke says whoever comes in to fill in those roles they will do very well i'm aware of everything that is happening hopefully everything will be sorted and clarified when i am back is that just wishful thinking on Van Dyke's part, knowing he might be back in like a week or so? I think that's a little bit two parts, right? I think one, Virgil Van Dyke likes to talk as calmly as he like looks in his like puff piece, you know, the picture that he takes for the Premier League to like his little smug look that he always has. I think he also gives interviews that way. Like, I got this. We're cool. We got everything. I think on the other hand, there is a little truth to it. Just like Klopp saying like, I'm comfortable with whatever happens and I'm fully committed to my contract, no matter who buys this club. Now he didn't just say that without, without fear that there could be some, I think something is happening, whether it's a partial sale, whether it's a full sale, I do expect there to be movement 
in the foreseeable future. And I think so do the players. And I think it has a lot to do with investment. I think this club knows they need to spend money. They know they need money, whether that means they sell or they get a huge injection of it. I think they're almost rooting for it because that's what brings in these guys. I mean, if FSG wants to just open the doors and spend money, they could. I just don't know that they will unless there's a guaranteed sale and it's almost like they're spending money that's already included in the fee. Yeah, that's like an interesting point, actually. What do you think, Bickler? Like, I, mean, I guess if you're Van Dyke, you're probably like maybe semi-rooting for it for the investment because you're going to be there. But I don't know, for example, Curtis Jones is like, yes, great. They're going to sign a bunch of good guys because obviously that means less opportunity. You think players care no root one way or the other? I mean, I think you're probably right. It probably depends on their standing within the team. But I also think that the players probably just want resolution one way or the other. Yep. You know what I mean? I think as a player, the hardest thing is the uncertainty. Uncertainty, especially when you see guys in the front office, one of the you know best-run front offices in world football, leaving at a pretty steady clip. Um, you probably just want resolution more than anything. So, um, yeah, it, and it's like, you know, we talked about this, how important this summer was. Uh, you know, I think, I think in a way, the lack of activity this summer almost increased the pressure tenfold in, in, in not only this summer's window, but the winter window as well. So, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I hope that like is right. And by the time he comes back, it'll be resolved. I'm just not that optimistic. Sadly, I think this is going to be talked about for a while. It's going to go back and forth. I mean, we've seen clubs go through this process for a long, long time. So it depends on, I guess, how willing FSG is. And then plus, I guess, how good the offers are because they don't want to undersell either because they feel like, you know, obviously they brought it to a certain point. So it'll be interesting to see. I wish results sooner than later. So let's get to the World Cup. Uh, USA is out. Uh, by the way, speaking of USA, Mr. Bickler over here, who rarely follows, I could picture, and I see him constantly commenting really into the U.S. game against Netherlands. I Were you, like, wearing a shirt that says, like, it's not football, it's soccer in front of the TV, just, like, yelling and screaming? Because <laughs> that's, that's kind of like how I envisioned you when you were commenting about the game this weekend. All right, somebody's got a nanny cam in my house. Um, so obviously we're doing uh, we did predictions in run your pool. So I mean you guys know me, right? I hate to brag. Uh, but when this happens, yeah. you gotta take opportunities. So this is the pool that we ran uh, for the predictions. So we got something going on with the family over here. Uh, Angie is uh, Mrs. Uras over here in second place. Bickler, are you in this thing somewhere or are you no, like, uh, no. he was too cool. He I'm was not. too cool. Uh, cool. and, and you know, excuse the scrolling down over here, but I actually thought Gally was dead last in this thing, and I was like, Oh man, he's making a comeback. He's not, it's dead actually last not anymore. true. I wasn't dead last, yeah. And then I just, what were I you wasn't. sure dead last? Second, I wasn't, I was close, but I wasn't dead last. But it's a good try, it's good. <laughs> but it then works. I realized it was because all these people uh, did not enter their picks for the second round. So, Gally, yep. but eventually you'll be probably in the top 10, but it's going. I mean, for the most part, it's kind of this round, especially Galley, is going more less. I mean, more as expected and less surprises than the group stages where the favorites and the guys who would be in the running are kind of winning their games and advancing. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any surprises so far, really. I mean, out of this, I, I thought Japan had a great opportunity today. Um, no one needs to look at anything that you're involved in with juice when it comes to fantasy at this point. <laughs> you know, actually, we had a ticker. What, next, See, it's funny when Matoya says, just wait until Timushin has to scroll through a fantasy after the tournament. The irony of this is uh, Matoya constantly kept bringing this pool up uh, last weekend when he was number one. We even had a ticker going on Monday's morning coffee show uh, when he was here, uh, and he was he joins us every uh, Monday. Unfortunately, we had to change the uh ticker uh this morning, uh, <laughs> saying AG is number one in the world cup podcast pool. And then, uh, after Croatia uh beat Japan, now I have taken my I guess I'll update it in a little oh. bit and throw my name in there, but. Uh, so let's talk about U.S. first, I guess. Uh, I can just Gally. see you pacing in the kitchen right now. <laughs> <laughs> Angie, with her, no. Angie with the laptop out and you in the kitchen just pacing. <laughs> Angie was not too happy with Japan's penalties, I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> uh, me either. God, me it was either. awful. Come yeah, on. I had, I, I had Japan. I had Japan. That was one of my upsets trying to gain some points on you, asshole. I thought I was going to get points on you by not taking Spain. I actually like Spain. I thought I was going to get points on you by not taking Spain. And then you don't take Spain after talking about Spain for like 25 minutes last week. Dude, Timushin does that. He throws out red herrings all oh, the time. Dude, dude all the time. So and he goes, oh, France is going to win. You just France. got hustled. <laughs> I don't yeah. like the psychological like terrorization that like Timushin oh. involves himself in. Uh, first, the, first the trivia, and now this one. This has been fun. Well, thank you, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, but no, let's go to the World Cup USA. Uh, zero to 10, 10 being very successful. Where do you put the team? Let's start with you, Bickler, because God knows how long Galley will rant about the team. <laughs> you are the newcomer to the U.S. Uh, scene. So what do you give zero to 10? I'm not a newcomer to the U.S. scene. I just don't follow them year round because I know when it comes to the World Cup, they're going to take the wrong players, which they fucking did. So, like, I, I give them, like, a five I, I because when I look at this group, <clears throat> I think there's enough talent there for them to have been where they were, like, right? And I think that was a winnable game versus the Netherlands. I think it was the wrong lineup. I still don't think they have a tactical identity. I think they look like prime Bielsa leads where they, like, press crazy high and just expect high energy to win out without rotation. And, like, so I had a problem with the lineup. I had a problem with the lack of rotation. I have a really, really big prob problem with the fact that Erison and Reyna are the two brightest young stars, and for some reason, Burhalter is allergic to them. And I don't know if that has to do – like, I don't know. It, like, I think Michael in our Discord said it best when he said, if your name's Greg and you have five letters and three of them are Gs – this, like, this is probably the least amount of problems that actually occur in real life for this guy. Like, but like, I have, I, I just thought he got like the tactics in the team wrong. And I thought we actually played above how that team was managed. Like, I thought they outplayed the management, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I would personally put them as a six, for example, because I did in my predictions, like, actually had Wales to go through. I don't know Wales was going to suck so bad either, but I kind of felt like, you know, they would be competing with Wales, but fall short to them. Um, but, I mean, I know, listening to you guys, I don't follow them that closely, obviously. Um, 
I mean, familiar with the players and stuff like that, and we get regular updates from Galley, thankfully. Uh, but it's, you know, you know the players. Yeah, you feel like should be better. And I know your guys' biggest complaint has been the coaching and the selection and stuff. Like I say, I don't feel comfortable evaluating that as much personally because I don't follow all the American players. Uh, ask me about the Turkish picking, and I can go over hours over here. But Galley, I mean, what do you think from zero to ten? Number one, and then two, do you think? Because they did above five in most evaluations, this dude is going to be here in the three and a half years. He can't be here in three and a half years. He just can't. No, no, he can't. Like, we can't. We <laughs> Make can't it do this stop. Again. No, no, no. It's Because it's, it's, here's the problem. Paul's right. Like, you're both right. It's a five or a six. I picked them to finish dead last at the World Cup. I think I was the one who said zero points, zero goals scored. They go home like the biggest embarrassment. I'll bring this up again to show the level of credibility with the picks. Yeah, but the credibility is, is I picked them to finish dead last. I did so bad because they did well. Um, no, I, I, in all seriousness, I, I just, I, and part of it was rooting for Greg with three G's to be gone. We can use the chief for gone. Um, but it's really bad. It was the tactics. And, like, you know, I, I was in an argument, embroiled argument with someone on Facebook at some point, and they were like, they were like, we just can't score goals. And if we can't score goals, we just have to look at the U-17 and the U-21 teams. And I was like, or he could have picked Pepe. And they were like, kid can't score goals either. I'm like, He's 19. He should be playing with the U21s, but he's in Germany scoring goals in the second division. And I know it wasn't great when he was there before, and he didn't want him there because if he was there, he was going to be forced to play him. And then he was afraid he might not be good enough. And that's the problem with this guy. He brought players and then was afraid to utilize them to their talents. Like the only young player he unleashed was Musa, which was the best player and the brightest player for the entire United States of America. To be honest, the two best players in this World Cup were Eunice Musa and Serginio Dest. And if you had told me I was going to say something nice about Serginio Dest on this fucking podcast, I would have told you you were goddamn crazy. Because I would have thought he was an agent for the Dutch ready to help them find their way through. Just get us here. And, and he was great. He was great in the knockout match. He was great. I mean, he basically scored the goal for Pulisic was destined the ball and the cross. And he had created opportunities the entire, um, the entire tournament. There were some really great moments. And I really, you know who I felt the worst for of all the players on the United States men's national team. I felt the worst for Josh Sargent. Cause I saw, I think in the group stage, Josh Sargent showed himself as like a viable, he was almost there. Olivier Giroux. He did everything but score goals but it made everything good that was happening around them. And he was hold up play. He was linking up with players and he deserved a chance to go up against Virgil. He deserved a chance to be the number nine in that match. And I, I feel bad for him that he was hurt because it felt like that kind of got yanked from, because there's another guy that the guy didn't want to give a chance for a year. He didn't call him in and then calls him into a world cup because he scored a few goals at Norwich. He's a moron. He's a boob. The, the selection was a joke. We started in the most important soccer, football, whatever the fuck you want to call it. The most important match Bring in the U.S. Shirt, no, in, in the most in the most 
the most important U.S. men's national team match played since 02. He started MLS's 2022 Young Player of the Year. The kid's 19 years old, had never scored an international goal, barely scored in the MLS. He started him in a World Cup match going up against Virgil van Dijk, Nathan Ake, and the rest of that Netherlands team. It was an absolute joke. He should have been fired before they got off the plane. So here's my question. First, let's come back to you, Bickler. I mean, you can answer if the boob with three Gs will be here again in three and a half years. But aside from that, I mean, do you guys really think or believe that that was really the main difference, just like the lineup, or do you just think it would give you a better shot? Because what I'm seeing as we advance through the thing in the World Cup is you kind of, I mean, especially this round of 16, it was like that in every, almost every game. The U.S. had the chance to take the lead early. They blew it. It came back to bite. Same thing happened with Senegal. Pretty much every single game, the underdog had the chance to take the lead and get the front foot in the game. But I was almost like, like to make like an NFL analogy, sometimes like the crappy team that's the underdog plus starts the game really good, right? They dominate the first quarter, but only muster two freaking field goals. The other team comes and gets a touchdown, and then it's all over. Is it just basically the, the quality is shining more, Bickler, because oh, those teams are more clinical when they get those opportunities and more used to the big scene? The big opposition. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's a totality of the events, right? I mean, I think quality lessens your margin of error if you don't have it, right? I mean, I think that's the bottom line. It's like, I think for the U.S., they've got to create more chances to to put away shots right now, and I think that is probably regardless of who they brought to the World Cup. To be perfectly honest, but I, I you know, at some point we got to stop this. Like, we got to stop this. Uh, oh, we're a growing country with this sport. No, we're fucking established, right? I mean, right. we've got we've got a league. We've had a league system for a long time. We've got academy systems now. We've got our best players out internationally. So, I mean, at some point we've got to stop. Like, I have a problem with the way that we sort of view the national team through a lens in general. And I think part of that is because the majority of U.S. national fans are only fans part of the year. And I think like I, I I think that a lot of them don't actually follow international football outside of the scope of the United States. And I think that really lessens the overall intelligence of the footballing community in terms of how we evaluate the US men's national team. And yep. so like I think across the board it has to do with the quality. I think it has to do with the team selection. I think it has to do with the tactics. And I think it has to do with the fact that like from the very, very beginning youth level for the U.S. men's national team all the way to the top, there is no uniform tactical identity. Like those things are all yeah. 17, 21, and I've seen it because I played in it at a very young age, and I know that was like moons ago, so I don't want to sound like Alexi Lawless and feel like I'm trying to compare my soccer experience to when like 4-4-2 was the dominant formation and like Pearl Jam was a thing to like now. Uh, I don't think we were the good old days. Hey, 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 <laughs> yeah. hey, hey. Don't fuck with Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I blame Pearl Jam for a lot of bad things that happened in music. But Me anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot. I think as a, as a, a as a nation, as a setup, there's a lot of things that we have to do to improve. But like I'm with Galley, like I can't like. If if we go into the next World Cup with Burhalter, I think what that's telling us is that 
we don't know how to evaluate a national team like as a collective, because I think anybody that honestly knows how to evaluate management can look at that and see the clear disconnect between the tactics and the selection. Is that partially because of who they play to qualify as well, Galley? I mean, the competition they face and, you know, people evaluate them based on, I don't know, how they do against Honduras or something like that. And then you go to these tournaments and face like soccer cultures and face a team like Netherlands. I mean, you just listed a bunch of their players who play in top teams and have a lot more international big game experience, not just international soccer, you know, like, cause I say the same thing, you know, like I find the similarity to the Turkish national team. And I was telling this to my brother, you know, we were like, Oh, the Turkish national team should be a lot better. Now all these guys play in Europe. I mean, you look at any freaking team in this tournament. I mean, who plays in their own country? Most of them, I think there was like 162 players or something like that out of England that are in this world cup. So all these guys play in top leagues, but some play within top teams and constantly face top competition even in an international scene. Whereas U.S., I mean, you know, face, let's face it, a lot of mediocre and low mediocre, mediocre teams to qualify. And then you go to these events and face actual serious competition. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no question. I mean, you know. Before this World Cup, Mexico had gotten to the knockout stages since 1978. So it's decent competition at the international level. They compete. But that's one. It's a one side, right? It's like a one team league. Um, Canada looked like they were making the jump. You know, they fell on their face in this World Cup, which was a big surprise to me. I thought they would have a good showing. I didn't think they would be great. I didn't think they'd qualify, but I thought they would wouldn't be the worst side. I mean, honestly, Costa Rica was more impressive, obviously, with their big win um, against Japan. I, I, I look at it this way with the United States. I feel like they're always competing against themselves because, to Paul's point, they're supposed to be number one. Like, they go up against Mexico, who has more football heritage, more football history, yet we have more people we have more money and we have more investment into the infrastructure. So therefore we should compete, but then we play matches anywhere in the country, whether it's in like Columbus, Ohio or Southern California. And we play Mexico and it's like a road game. So, you know, I think that's the problem to Paul's point that the fans are, we want a winner before we'll believe it. And that's where I think these kids right now are actually at a real disadvantage because I think these kids should be like championed right now. Like they went to the middle of the desert as the third youngest side there. And they got out of a group that they weren't betting favorites to get out of. They actually did it by getting two draws and a win with, yeah. with and, and maybe the team that might actually have a darker puncher's chance to go win the thing. They gave them everything they could handle. England wanted no part of the United States in that second half. They were, I mean, honestly, they brought in Jordan Henderson to get control of the game because Adams and McKenney were running all over them. And to your point, I think you're right, but we have to be fair. Christian Pulisic started in a champions league final. Weston McKinney is playing at Juventus. Tyler Adams was at Leipzig and will not be at Leeds much longer and will be at a Champions League side. 
they are making strides to get their players into better and bigger sides. And that Musa kid, I hope he's playing in a team in red because I could see him filling a nice, you know, role in our midfield if we could have him because he could play in our system right now and he could improve us right now. Cause to your point, he's better than Curtis Jones. Jamie, shut your ears. He's more ready to play in the Premier League at 20 years old than Harvey Elliott is at his age at all the things he does. And it's why he's on an international stage. So there, there are players in this U.S. setup. You know, I mean, Serginho Dest was at Barcelona and before that, and now he's at AC Milan. These are pretty big clubs. So Antoine Robinson's at Fulham, and there's talk that City wants to go in for him. So the, there, there's talent there. I just think that they need a manager who can put tactics around it. And then they need, let's be honest, they need a striker and a center back. But so does every other club in the world. Yeah, I was going to say, those are hot commodities. <laughs> but so Galliot says, no, he's got to go. I still think oh. that's wishful thinking on his part. But does uh, Greg with Triple G's uh, stick around, Bickler, for another three and a half years based on Galli at the very end made a case for him to stay without even realizing? Because I know <clears> you <throat> guys as kind of like more – you know, being able to evaluate the other talent that can be done or different tactics that can be employed. But when you look at the big picture of things in terms of bringing this youth team and stuff, you know, the, the results they got and stuff like that, that could be part of the I, I think the point that I got yeah. from Galley's thing was that the actual expectation for this team is lower than it should be. And and I think Probably, yeah. I, I think that Burhalter stays and that's part of the problem. I think that like as as a collective unit, the U.S. men's national team setup doesn't know how to evaluate management and doesn't know how to have expectations based on quality and based on talent. And I think that's a real problem because I think I think we're just going to – like Callie said it best, we're, we're basically playing against ourselves and we've set the bar, we've set the bar low and, and it doesn't yeah. need to be there. I think so. I, I agree to that. I mean, the bar is low, so obviously anything looks like a success, but I think – Given that situation, my gut feeling is, so, too, that he will be here uh, getting this team ready for the next World Cup. I think he steps down. And here's the reason. I think he understands his limitations, and I think he actually capitalizes on this. There are rumors right now that there are championship clubs that are interested in him. You know why? Because wow. they watch the goddamn ratings that Wrexham and these people get on ESPN and other places. So there are clubs in the championship and in league one that are ready to like, give this guy a shot to manage. And I will say this, he is good in front of a microphone. He likes a t-shirt and he likes sneakers with jeans. I was going to say, the sneaker sales will go up. It is, a, it is a big ass thing right now. Just look at the managers in England. It's either suits, track suits, jeans, and sneakers. I'm telling you, denim jackets are coming. It's going to be a thing soon. Yeah, and, and but I could, but tell me right now, would you be shocked if a championship side offered him to come to England? And honestly, I honestly believe Greg Berhalter smart enough to know you leave a national team side to go coach in Europe. And if he gets a shot to coach in Europe, he's going to go coach in Europe. And honestly, whatever club that is, you will become my favorite championship club if you get the fucking 3G. <laughs> Yeah, by by default, uh, I think that Triple G United on your that guys. goddamn T-shirt with that states—it's the worst. 
So oh my god. So this is the current bracket. I think it's wishful thinking for you guys' parts. Uh, I think he's still around here with his G's all over the place. And then yeah, he might put on a freaking jean jacket by then on top of the shirt and sneakers on a on a cool Columbus, Ohio day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. dude. Don't even freaking Columbus, Ohio, rolling up through. Okay, let's get to the brackets over here. By the time we do our podcast next week, we'll be getting ready for the semifinals. Uh, Basically, it's kind of coming together in the way that probably most expected, I would think, so far. Japan, Croatia, I think, could have gone either way. Obviously, we went to penalties. And then, holy cow, Japan should practice penalties. Uh, But having seen this so far, uh, next weekend, when we're doing the podcast, who's going to be in the semifinal? Galley. Brazil, Argentina. Brazil and Argentina. Bickler, who you got? This is just like the NCAA tournament. We love the upsets, but when it comes down to it, chalk sells. I think it's yep. going to be chalk. <clears throat> I think Brazil, Argentina is the, the selection there too as well. Okay, let's go to the other side. England, this might be a bit more controversial here. Uh, England, France is obviously set. After tomorrow's games, it's going to be Morocco or Spain and Portugal or Switzerland. Uh, who do you have uh, in the semifinal on this side? Galley, we'll start with you again. Uh, I have England and Portugal because I have Morocco beating Spain tomorrow. Ooh. I, I can pull up the pool again if you want, Bickler, or you can make your own guess. <laughs> Laugh all you want. Wow. <laughs> Let's see. What do you have? Man. You better. I'm going to tell you right now, son yeah. of a bitch. You better win this shit. You better win. Actually, you know what? So, he's going to win this thing. I think Morocco, Morocco has the pitch. highest percentage of players that are actually born outside of Morocco in that national team. Interesting pick. Not that I follow international football, but I do key in on key stats. Uh, no, you just I, got the pits of death because uh, Matej has right. Morocco too. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't stay know. away you from see, that. I picked Spain see. there for sure. Um, uh, let's, let now, me put this down below while we can. Go ahead. Carry on. Uh, I So I think it's going to be Spain and Switzerland there. So. And keep going. One more step. Um, so. <laughs> And then in the semifinal. I think Spain is really, really playing well. I think they're playing well. In my opinion, they have the best midfield in the entire tournament. Uh, I think they go through. Uh, France, look, like, I think England's really, really good. And if they get bounced here, it'll be seen as them failing again. And I think that's unfair because I think this is a generational team for France talent-wise. They've got the most – I think they've got the best defensive depth the entire tournament – and I think they have the second-best second midfield in the entire tournament. So from back to front, I like France. I think they beat England. Uh, I think it'll be a tough match. Uh, but I think France is, is is incredibly strong. So I see France and Spain in, in, in there in the, the, that quarterfinal. And then, Gally, you said you had Morocco going through against Portugal or Switzerland? No, I have, Mor- I have Portugal getting to the semifinal against England purely because I, I kind of – quantified it so you didn't think i had portugal beating spain that's why i said i actually have morocco beating spain here it's like when you pick that team into the sweet 16 and someone's like you're an asshole i'm like but i picked the 15 to win in round one um but uh so yeah i took the 10 uh no i here here's my thing with england 
I think England has a legitimate shot tomorrow because I think they actually match up well with France. It's weird to say it. I think they're going to drop back to their back three. And now I'm interested to see what they're going to do because I think it's honestly, it's, it's, I think they're going to start Kyle Walker in a back three instead of a back four, therefore giving them extra width to try to deal with the, with the two outside players, especially Mbappe on Walker's side. But that probably means Trippier and um, Shaw as wingbacks, which means you either drop Foden. You're either dropping Foden, Saka, or Henderson from the starting lineup. And I feel like Southgate will get absolutely crucified right now in England. It's crazy to fucking say this out loud. I think they will crucify him in England if Jordan Henderson's not in the starting lineup after this last game on Friday. I I mean, the last two matches, I mean, he was the best player for the last 30 minutes against the United States. He was the best player against Wales and he was unbelievable in the opening match against or in the opening knockout against Senegal. I thought it was, I thought it was vintage Henderson and people are like, how do you, you know, and I know if Sparky Parky were with us right now, he'd be ripping on me. He's had 30 good minutes and a cheeky goal, and you guys call him this and that. The players on the side have basically all to a man been like, we are here because we have this guy. Like, I think everybody else realizes what he does on the fields and what he brings to the game. Alan says Hendo is playing brilliantly as well. I, I, I really, I'll say, dude, I really don't appreciate this entire World Cup of foreplay with Jude Bellingham, though, because if this was Pornhub, this would be the part we all skip, and I, I'm tired of it. Oh, like, oh, I'm I'm done with it, too. I saw that picture the other day with the two yeah. of them and then him in the camp, and I'm like, just stop. Stop with the post. I said the other yeah. day. I wouldn't care now. This is where I'm starting to root for, like, the Qatari ownership takeover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. shit, I mean, that's the thing. That shit yeah, doesn't yeah. just bring Bellingham. That shit probably brings fucking Mbappe and four others with him. Like, we just bring yeah. them all in. Then then it's like the Pornhub hot tub. You just roll them all in. It's just like you hit you hit replay. Out okay, of the well, you guys reel. can go to your links. We'll post some on the comments channel once we're done over here. <laughs> It is but, the truth, though. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. I feel like as good as England is, I mean, and everybody's talking about like Kyle Walker and Mbappe and stuff like that. I am calling a penalty uh, on Walker right now and Mbappe already because just speed does not I, make defense. I think we're going to end up seeing that. I understand that. I'll, I'll say this right now. I'll guarantee Jordan Pickford makes three saves in this match. Two of them stop amazing world-class goals that should be scored. And Hugo Lloris will give Harry Kane at least one. At yeah, least. see, that's the only flip side over there. Good old Lloris. But then again, you can have a T-Rex moment, too. Uh, Alan says he trusts Bad. people to talk dirty. Let's not back it's off. The only I'll, tell you make, what, right? <laughs> I'll tell you what. We got to be fair. Once again, we can make all the T-Rex jokes we want when the dude's in an Everton uniform. When the guy wears an England uniform, he's the second best goalkeeper in the world. Cause honestly, internationally, he has been to Allison in this tournament and before it, the save he made at the beginning of the Senegal match. Yeah, um, that that time, when they were in, it was unbelievable. That was close. And that was with a strong arm. I know it's only a foot and a half. It should be strong. If it's that close to your body. Um, but it, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's it was, it was torque. It's it all was, about leverage. <laughs> I mean, to be, I mean, to be fair to the guy though, he he has been he has actually been class in all these international competitions that he's played for England. He he sets up deep, like 
if there's one thing Southgate does, he sets them up well. I they can just score, and I know we we rave about how flashy uh, Mbappe is, and we know what Griezmann's stupid mustache looks like, and Olivier Giroud's perfect hair, right? They still have the mouth breather cane. They still have Saka on one side. They have freaking Foden and his bad hair on the other. I mean, they have riches upon riches. And honestly, they have the player playing the best out of either side in Jude Bellingham right now. And it does look right now like if Jude Bellingham is a round A play, he is going to make the right one. And then it's going to work out. And on the other end of it, will be a celebrating Liverpool player and five Liverpool fans taking pictures and posting shit like with him with a picture in a number eight jersey. I can't even handle it at this point. Like, if he plays for another club someday, I'm going to be so disappointed. We were all saying, like, bring on Jude and we'll get Job. If that shit happens, man, I will quit. And this is the biggest case of actually peer pressuring a player into a club that I've ever seen in my life. I was going to say, right? They're like, here, here, like, you're taking a picture. I, like, it's almost yeah. like against his will. I, I almost feel at this point, like, I almost feel at this point, like the city players are pressuring him to come to Liverpool. Like, everyone is pressuring him to come to Liverpool. They're like, we just want to tell everyone it was already done. Like, we just want to say, I told you so. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it almost looks like like a cheesy double date setup without all parties knowing. Like they're like, "Hey man, can you meet me over here?" And then they're like, "Let's take a picture, Trent." And they're just like in the background in this picture, in that picture. He's like, "What are these chances? What are the chances of me showing up?" Um, all due respect, do we honor Pele? Alan says, unless there's some news I have not heard of. I actually was expecting more of, um. I mean, obviously, it's before my day, but it's like he has like a very interesting story. I think it was on Netflix. There's like a really good documentary on him. If you want to kind of get some background on him, I know he was still uh, obviously like watching, kind of like gives probably, I don't know how many of these. I know he's a huge legend in his country. So I'm assuming all these players have huge respect for him. I was kind of shocked that during the, I know they had like the banner and stuff like that afterwards, but I really thought there would be a lot more like after they scored and stuff like that, instead of some kind of like a samba party happening every freaking goal over there, I thought there would be more kind of geared towards Pele, I guess. Right? Am I the only one who was expecting this and disappointed? The team is led by fucking Neymar, and we expect them to have respect for some guy who came along 50-something years ago, went to, you know, America and played for the Cosmos. Like, honestly... I don't I think we give too much of this. I think we as supporters and we as fans care more about history than any existing player of any sport. Like and part of it is is I don't actually think they get to this level this great by worrying about like watching highlights of Pele from like the 62 World Cup. I honestly think that's the difference. Like I think they know yeah. the history and I think they care. And gosh forbid if he ever would have passed, but do you remember Messi ever making some huge tribute to Maradona when he died? I don't. Oh, I don't even like, I'm like, I don't what? specifically remember, but I didn't seek it out either. But I think, you know, in their countries, like Maradona, uh, and like obviously Pele, they're kind of like a ridiculous idol. So I highly doubt any of these guys grew up without 
idolizing regardless of yeah. age because well, they're kind of like almost like timeless in those countries there are certain players that are like timeless and i think you know Pele is obviously one of them i mean and you know brazil is a ton of these guys you know like ronaldo and stuff like that but there's I, mean, I, I think that's actually why players. you don't see a whole lot of huge like stuff on the international televised stage because like these guys are, are essentially patron saints in these countries already so yeah. like they do this shit every week so like I mean, I think that like it's so inbred in that culture that I don't even know that like it it almost like doesn't even occur to them that they need to have some like just like nationally televised tribute to this player. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I mean, you would think I was expecting more out of it today. I had a couple of other questions that I want to get to guys about the World Cup, but it's gonna have to wait till next Monday because we'll have the next world cup by then and we'll see if i can still use the same ticker i might have to use angie's name in there but hey, it is what it is you got to use it uh, while you have it so let me throw that over there while i'm still number one because that will change rapidly but uh gentlemen thanks a lot as always and thanks to all those commenting do give us a like and let me throw the other ticker too over here uh just head over to our youtube channel uh, give us a subscription, following, whatever it is there. Uh, share, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And as always, join in every Monday, every morning, I should say. We do the morning coffee show uh, with the different guests joining me every day of the week. Where we talk a lot about, about the World Cup, more in detail about the games. I have uh, more time, obviously. But joining me we'll, every day of we'll, the week. Hold on. there's a, like an echo. I'm like echoing at the same. I blame Galley on the sound thing. So that yeah, was Galley on that. Despite the reaction of Galley, he was like he was probably searching something on Pornhub and clicked on the wrong thing instead. Yeah. But uh, it is. And I found <laughs> you. <laughs> what the, what what are you doing, Angie? Angie, don't yes. worry about that. Don't worry about that. Uh, see, you a big fan. This of really the took a turn. <laughs> Well, okay, before the show gets really out of control and gets canceled over here, everybody have a great rest of your week. We'll see you guys next Monday. Take care. You did that to yourself.